This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's the midweek, so that means it's mailbag o'clock here on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. Welcome, as always, to the latest and greatest edition of Six Rings, a presentation of WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. Today, doing double duty. <laughs> I said double duty. Shine time is in producing and co-hosting with me, your old pal, Nick Fitzy Stevens. And yes, it's the midweek mailbag edition. I know the football game. The week 14 edition of Pats at Cads is on Monday night, but we're still hitting you where you get your mailbag edition at the regular time, scratching all those fields and your needs for information, opinion, analysis, and more on everything swirling around Patriots Nation. Shima, we find ourselves in the midst of, well, a... a this season stinks. Um, you know what? Actually, I was going to not I great. Was, now, honestly, I was going to try to be like one of the more curious seasons on record. Or just like, <laughs> you know, uh, we find, our, yeah, find ourselves at a fork in the road where, I mean, we kind of do because the Pats truly can commit to going one way or the other. Mm-hmm. They can try like hell and lose out. They can try like hell and win a bunch of games and make the playoffs, or they can just commit to the bit suck on the way out of town and get a higher draft pick. Um, I want to ask you, since uh, Andy and I reacted immediately last week after the game, I know you've done a blank ton of radio since then, but just for the podcast audience and all of us as we try to reframe for this stretch run, the final five, as the Pats try to see if they can clear a path to the playoffs, do you feel differently about anything from last Thursday night's far from shellacking, but one-sided affair in Foxborough against the Bills? Yeah. um, Hmm. Cause I don't, I, I've, tried, really. I, I've really feel, tried to, actually, I, I know they tried. Right. That's about it. I do feel different. I feel okay. worse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it's, and it's, about one, it's about one specific thing. Okay. I feel worse about the offensive play calling. I just feel worse about Matt Patricia. That's How what could I you worse. actually, how, I mean, that is the trending topic. That is the butt of all jokes. That is the majority of the tweets. That's the majority because of the Bill questions. Bill Belichick says today. he's not going to do anything about it. That's why I feel worse. And that just means that indicates to me that I'm not even convinced he's going to do anything in the off season about it. And, and so when I think of that, then it's just real dark and real depressing because as long as he is at the helm calling plays, him being Matt Patricia, this team is straight up goosed, porked, and screwed. Yeah, dude, it's been rainy and gray in New England or the majority of New England the last couple of days. And around this time of year, obviously, we have the holidays to look forward to. Obviously, we have celebrations, present exchanges. Nice Christmas lights out there. The Uh, Christmas tree is up. Festive decor, Mm -hmm. holiday imbibing, big meals, sleeping in late, return lines, traffic, whatever it is. yellow Russians are out and about. You know what, actually? Thinking of rebranding it, I, my oh. signature cocktail, the Yellow Russian, 
thinking of calling it the yellow Ukrainian until further notice. Oh, I like that. I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah, that. especially since a lot of stuff. Ready? I, yep. What about this? The slogger nogger. The slogger nogger. Yeah, the slogger nogger. Yeah, I was thinking of maybe even tonight I was going to make one. And I was going to do my, the, the, for those listening and or watching on YouTube, thanks for joining, but my signature holiday cocktail, which I learned from a Bills fan. And yes, it does not involve fireball is the yellow Russian where you swap out in a white Russian, you swap out the milk for eggnog. So it has coffee liqueur, usually Kahlua Mm. and a vodka. Now, if I use Stoli, as we have come to learn, thanks to the Greg Hill show that is made in the Ukraine. So technically I could use Stoli coffee liqueur, eggnog, and call it a a yellow Ukrainian. I was thinking about crushing up a peppermint little candy cane and tossing that in or doing the rim with that as well. Really getting frisky with it, really grind it up like a nice margarita salt Uh rim, but with peppermint candies. How do you think the mint would factor into that? You know, I think it would really bring about a nice holiday flavor, uh, Mm -hmm. really holiday kick, if you will. Um, I'm not a huge peppermint guy, so personally, I'd go no rim. Um, but I think for somebody who likes a good, likes a good peppermint, uh, candy cane, I don't see how that goes wrong there. I think that's a delicious, delicious combination. Please save that drop. I, I'd go no rim. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, we have a good time on the mailbag. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I'm glad to be here. Or you, or you could just do like our old friend, Danielle Murr suggested on Rich's, uh, Rich Keefe's, uh, 10 gallons of rum eggnog recipe that he put on the dork podcast feed recently. So good. A little peppermint schnapps goes a long way in a holiday. Nog. True. I, so I, I, I love that's one thing. I don't love peppermint candy. I hate when you mix like peppermint with chocolate. I'm just out on all those things, mm-hmm. but a good peppermint schnapps or just like a peppermint liqueur. Mm-hmm. I am into all day. The, it's the, one of the few times I like mint and chocolate. Is mm-hmm. a haircut. Have you ever had a haircut? Oh, of course I did. I, I yeah. as a matter of fact, the other night I'm working on, I was working on a project and I was going back through the uh archive I have of all the episodes of Tailgate Fan that I used to host for the CBS Sports Network. And I rewatched yep. the Ohio State episode and I remember like 30 minutes into covering the tailgate uh, outside the horseshoe in Columbus. Someone said, sit down and have a haircut. And I never had had one before. So this was all new to me. And I got like the chocolate sauce and the peppermint liqueur and the whipped cream in my mouth. And and then someone grabbed my head and shook it around. You have to have good pores, though. Oh, I was full. Trust me. As everyone knows, I have a big mouth. And that was a a hearty pour. I enjoyed it. At every, uh, all, so my, my friend group, whenever we have a bachelor party for friends getting married. And we'll get to your questions, uh, the New England yeah, Patriots in just eventually. a minute, but this should really prove how interesting we find the Exactly. This is, this is better. This is better. I want to talk cocktails with Shine. Every time we find a back, like we rent an Airbnb or whatever, we're away for the bachelor party, yeah. out on the back deck, grab a chair, and we just take turns. And you have to have whoever is in bunch charge. of bros giving each other haircuts. Yep. Anytime <laughs> you have to have the best, uh, the best hands though, to be able to pour the schnapps and the, and squirt that uh, chocolate syrup because you don't want to make a mess. Like it's, it's, I don't want that. You don't want it to look like, like Quentin Tarantino. You got a haircut in a Tarantino movie. Yeah. I don't want to look like I just pudding wrestled somebody. <laughs> like I want to enjoy the haircut. And so the key is you got to have a steady hand when you're pouring that. I want, uh, totally. I want a lot of peppermint schnapps, a lot of chocolate syrup, but I want it right mm-hmm. in my mouth and not yep. anywhere else. And then of course the whipped cream topper just mm, to make it yes. all go down. And it, that is the binding agent or the rug that ties that particular room together. 
Uh, and just because I feel like a, a weird flexing here, last time I had any sort of peppermint liqueur, because when I had it, I swore it off ad infinitum and for eternity. But now here I am thinking about, because it was just the moment and I kind of want to remember it that way. Also, I'm not the biggest fan of all of the peppermint schnapps, et cetera. Fair. But, um, but now here I may try it again for the holiday cocktail purpose. Maybe I'll even rename it the peppermint Ukrainian. Um, Love it. It was when I rode in the duck boat parade after Super Bowl 53 and I was on like the yeah, Patriots.com boat and I was catching PBRs and Bud Lights all day. <sighs> One person threw a shot. Actually, tons of shots got thrown our way and they all landed like dum, 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 on the duck boat roof and only one remained as they all slid off onto uh what what we go down mass Ave or tremont and i just hopped up and i grabbed it and it was like a big old mcgillicuddy's and i was like oh, yeah. i hate this stuff but i'm on a duck boat bitch and i just chugged it and the crowd's like <gasps> yeah i chuck it at somebody that sounds like like my wet dream is oh just be on a duck boat getting pelted oh. with pbr and mcgillicuddy's oh. sign oh me up yesterday Shime, I no one ever wants to. I'm not going to go on about it. I swear, because I can feel people wanting to punch me through the podcast. Yeah. I swear, it was the best. It was literally oh. the non-married or birth of child edition best day of my life. That's amazing. I'm it was. You know Good what? I'm going to. I'm going to have some peppermint it. liqueur tonight. Thank you, buddy. I love you. Good. I'm All proud right. of you. All right. Now to your questions, or back to the questions at hand. Um, yes. So the holiday festivity, whatnot. Um, obviously we keep getting distracted and wanting to talk about other matters because talking about the Patriots really hasn't been very fun, very engaging. We can't get any good information out of the team, any sources, of course, the head coach himself and multiple times since last week's one-sided loss to the Buffalo bills, which really was an excruciating watch. Like it was just, it was a slow, you know what it was? It was like a very slow, it was like that, the, the dagger scene in private Ryan, it was like a slow euthanizing. It was just like. Just, you know, like somebody who loses life by like slowly not being able to breathe anymore. Like it was this, like the Bills just slowly asphyxiated the Patriots that night. There was no hope. No, none. Aside from the electricity behind Marcus Jones's early touchdown and what a treat that was. And, you know, Hart and I did our mini victory lap on the postgame show saying like, see, we've been asking for this for a month and look what you get. I would expect to see him involved in more packages going forward. But I, I just don't understand when Bill Belichick is given the opportunity after a poor performance by the offense like that uh, with the, the people that he has in place and his knowledge of the offense to try something different, to make a change, to real, to just embrace the idea that this isn't working and to go a different direction the rest of the way. What's the worst thing that happens? It continue, It also doesn't work because this isn't. Their offense is a beached whale. Their offense is, is torpid. Disgusting. Their offense is their offense is like a one-legged person without crutches. It's barely hopping along. Like it is really, really sad at this point. And when he says, like, oh, I feel good about it, and reporters say, like, what exactly do you feel good about that you have in place? And he doesn't elaborate. I just feel like we're just being fed a lot of crapola because he doesn't want to admit that he done blanked up and there really isn't an easy way out of this. Yeah, I mean, and, and at this point, like, give Joe Judge a shot. What's the worst that could happen? Like, at least, at least, a, a Belichick can say he's on the set. He's already on the staff. He's in the building. He was calling plays in the preseason and in the in training mm -hmm. camp a little bit. Like, he, it's not like he has less experience than Matt Patricia. It physically cannot be any worse. No. It can't. So, 
why not throw something against the wall? If you're just going to keep beating your head against the wall over doing the same thing, you're just going to drive yourself insane. At -hmm. least try something different. So that way, if you find any spark with Joe Judge, you can come back and say, nice, I got my consistency. He's going to be here next year as well. He's not going anywhere. But And then at least when you told us you wanted to do this for consistency reasons, okay, it makes sense now. But right now, there's no reason to bring back Matt Patricia. And if Joe Judge is going to call plays next season, why wouldn't you just start him now? Or and Nick now, Haley, for that matter. Either or Nick Haley, or Belichick, or who knows? I mean, I was joking the other night on uh, a random podcast like, hell, at this point, if they wanted to go fans' choice league and have Zudi develop an app where you could whistle in the plays and have it on the Jumbotron like fans, what do Dude, you think I'll they should call? I'll come call plays, for goodness sake. <laughs> like, I, I, you give me that playbook, I can't call worse plays than Matt Patricia. It's just not work. It's it's not working. We have now have enough proof. We have a body of evidence good enough to go to the state and say the children should be taken out of this house. Like they they are now in an unsafe situation. Mac Jones has regressed massively. He's not making any progress. He's swearing on the sidelines. You've got wide receivers now getting clapped at by Troy Brown, in, you know, sort of in code, and Charlie Weiss out loud saying. You know, hey, Kendrick Bourne, shut the F up, do your job, whatever. But he's telling everyone, like, this sucks. Like, it's, it's not working for any of us. Yeah. You, you it just, the, the proof, you want to talk about proof in the pudding? There is a giant, like, there is a wrestling ring of pudding for you and, like, the rest of your haircut buddies at the bachelor party to hop in. <laughs> that, that, that says uh... everyone on the offense except for Ramondre Stevens, Stevenson has regressed this season. When 100%. you regret, when you regress, on mass like that, it's time to change things. At at this point, if you're Bill Belichick, I, I feel like I would need to, or at least if I'm the GM, which you know is also Bill Belichick. But if they were two separate entities, if I was the GM, I would look at my coach and be like, honestly, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna rip this down to the studs. Yep. Personally, I would rip it all the way down to David Andrews at center, Ramondre mm-hmm. Steven at center, running mm-hmm. back, and then we're changing everything else. We are starting clean, fresh on everything, whether it's play caller, player, doesn't matter. Those are the only two people on that side of the football that remain safe. Outside of that, I want a fresh start because everything, there is not one thing besides Ramondre Stevenson. And I think David Andrews has been pretty good in spots. I mm-hmm. think he, he's he's an asset to whatever quarterback is in there um, because he's of his experience here. Mm-hmm. So I think those two players are good enough to start building around. And then you need to figure it out from there because everything else that you have right now isn't working, whether it's a play caller, the quarterbacks coach, the offensive line coach who also happens to be the play caller, the other positions on the offensive line from both guards to both tackles, uh, the receivers, the tight ends, the quarterback, all of them, all of them. I just, you have to, you have to start fresh at this point. Everyone's head is a mess. Um, who do you think? And, and, and with everyone's head being all shaken up, uh, well, let's get to the first question. I have, I do have another uh, question related to people's heads being shaken up. Um, let's get to our first question. This comes in from Facebook from Bruce Morrison. Uh, do you think Bill will actually pull the trigger before the end of the season, or will he replace Matty P afterward? The answer I think Belichick gave us, unless they go, unless over the next two games on the West Coast swing, and at that point it would just be too damn late, and who gives a blank? Uh, I don't think he's going to replace, you know, if they go out there and they score 10 points against Arizona and 13 against the Raiders and lose one or both games, 
I, I don't see how he could stick with him. Like, I don't even think they would let, I'd be worried about fans lobbing water bottles, uh, giant pretzels or, you know, uh, souvenirs onto the field. They'd be so upset with the way the offense has performed this season. Um, so there is a slight chance, Bruce. I'm not going to say, I'll never say never. Uh, I learned that from the Patriots, no less. Uh, I think it's unlikely they replace Patricia before the end of the season. But if this West Coast swing doesn't provide any zing, then I could see it maybe happening before the Christmas Eve affair against Bengals. Yeah, I think you and I are very much in a similar spot here. Uh, should Belichick make the switch? You're damn right. Even though he says, oh, it's too late in the season to do anything dramatic, it's crap. Uh, you see Denver already switch play callers. Teams switch play callers in the middle of the season all the time. Mm -hmm. It happens every year uh, because, you know what, things don't work, so you change it. Yeah, the Colts fired their offensive coordinator last year. The 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 Panthers made a move. Obviously, a lot of times it's usually a coach's last gasp uh, and a scapegoating of somebody before they themselves get canned. Yeah, so that always happens across the NFL. Uh, so should that happen here? Absolutely. It should have probably already happened. It should have happened immediately following that Bills game. You get 10 days off for the new play caller to get established and get ready for Arizona. Instead, Bill is standing by his guy and being uh, like – just it's just set in his ways. And I don't think that's going to change anytime this season, at least Steven Tawa on Twitter asks, okay, guys, then who should be OC next season? And how do we finally get Bill to let Maddie P go? I think we just outlined the scenario. It's the end of the season and Robert Kraft steps in or the Patriots absolutely crap the bed on this West coast two game swing where they will stay out there between games, even though the Raiders and, and especially now because the Raiders game, has been flexed to 4.05 p.m. on Fox 105 West Coast time. And I'll be out there for that one, Sean. Got to get, nice. get, get your Vegas Rex uh, offline. Hell yeah. uh, okay, aside from the obvious. All right, so there's Nick Haley internally, but he's unsigned. So we don't even know if he's going to be a candidate. You had mentioned Joe Judge. Bill O'Brien is the name that's been tossed around for the past nine months. He is like the – he is the uh, – the Obi-Wan to Pat's nation being the flickering image of princess Leia beamed out of R2D2 right now. Like help us bill O'Brien. You're our only hope. Is there anyone else out there? Are there any other bright minds that could get roped in or called in to call plays for the Pats that may be Belichick adjacent that he would trust? Yeah. So it's, <laughs> excuse me. It's tough. I don't, <laughs> there's not a ton of like, there's a lot of guys out there that I think have value, right? You see, uh, Dayball did a really good job. What he did, he mm -hmm. looked at a team with a good offensive system and he found the quarterback's coach who wasn't calling plays and then elevated him to do that on his team. Mike Kafka coming from the Chiefs mm. under Bienemy and Reed, who wasn't calling plays, brings him to New York, and New York is calling awesome plays for what they have on offense. Kafka is doing a fantastic job. And that's with a guy like Brian Dayball in the building who could just do it himself. So Belichick needs to do that. He needs to go outside the tree and find a guy. And I don't personally think it's going to be Bill O'Brien because if I'm Bill O'Brien at this point, I'm looking at the Patriots and be like, you want me to deal with that mess? I want a head coaching gig again. I'm not going to get it doing with that. And, and to be honest, he probably would just have a better shot at getting a head coaching gig um, than working for Bill again. And so, mm -hmm. If Bill wants to find a different offensive coordinator, a new offensive coordinator that's not already in the building, 
because Nick Cayley's going to walk and it just ain't it with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. You're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to yank uh, like Mike McDaniel's assistant. You're going to have to try and yank uh, Joe Brady from the Bills underneath Ken Dorsey. You're going right. to have to promote him, promote him from over the right. Exactly. Bingo. You're but again, have that's to get outside creative. his sphere. That's why it's that's why to me it's either Bill O'Brien or Nick Cayley next year. That's the only way you prevent Nick Cayley from just saying like, hey, I'm a uh, guy's peace. I'm not coming back. I'm not going to be on this. This offensive yeah, line's a mess. The tight end situation's a mess. I think there's some other options too. Um, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if he yanked somebody from Tennessee, um, like under Todd Downing. Mm. Uh, you know, Todd Downing's had issues, but if he could coax okay. whoever's underneath Todd Downing to come, I think that that could be an option. Uh, you know, the Vrabel connection there, I think, matters. Mm. I, I think you could also look for. I mean what's to stop him from going and grabbing Charlie Weiss Jr. from Mississippi State? Like, that's another guy. Oh, now, okay, now that one. That's an excellent, excellent, excellent call. His dad is too old at this point, but it's in the family. He knows how to work, like, and he could spend – Charlie Weiss Sr. has been all this he's time. Had experience elsewhere, mm-hmm. and then he can come be part of the Belichick tree, so he doesn't have to start at the bottom of the totem pole. Oh my God! And that's papers, in the family, and yes. it stays relatively in the family. So that's the the names I would look out for. If could if, work with Joe Judge because they both have Mississippi State connections next year. If maybe? there's going to be a change, mm-hmm. I would look at names like Joe Brady, um, like Charlie Weiss Jr. Or somebody in the Saban knee tree somewhere mm-hmm. um, that he could yank from either either college or somewhere else in the NFL. What about BC coach Jeff Halfley? Is he more like if he gets dismissed after the season? I doubt it. I, I don't he, think he's more I, of a, a defense guy. I, I yeah, don't know. I'm just I, sort of I like, know nothing about Halfley, uh, but I, I don't think that there's much of a connection to Belichick, at least. Um, you know, right. uh, it, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that that wouldn't necessarily be the direction he'd go. Yeah. Uh, I think he actually played a little, I think he played a little offense himself during his day, but I don't think that necessarily, uh, qualifies him to be an offensive coordinator at the pro level. But then again, neither did being a defensive coordinator as well for Matt Patricia. And here we are. Uh, Robert Lewis Steele asks, does Bill have a nepotism problem? Looks like Bill got his staff roster and people he wanted to invite to his birthday party mixed up. <laughs> uh, I think so. I I think I'm not going to go so far as to say like Belichick is playing the part of the mad king who, as he ages, decides to close ranks, raise, you know, fill the fill the moat with fire, uh, close the castle door, pull in the drawbridge and then surround himself with nothing more than like his lieges, his hands his children and his trusted lieutenants, if you will, but it's getting close. I mean, that's, I mean, if you didn't play for Belichick, if you aren't a long-term fob friend of Belichick, or you don't have the same last name, you ain't coaching for him at this point. Like, and that's so strange for somebody like him who does know everything there is to have ever known about football, but still has this progressive mind and wants to learn more. Like, it's okay to bring someone in from outside just to get a little fresh perspective. Well, and the bigger issue is, is 10 years ago that worked because everybody wanted to work for Bill Belichick. Nowadays, that's not the case. Everybody wants to work for Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, now Mike McDaniel, you yep. can add to that list. They want to work Andy Reid. They right. want to work with the great offensive minds in football because right now, that's kind of how you win. And so... 
That's how you also get head coaching jobs. You touch Sean McVay for five seconds and you become a head coach next week. It's so, insane. And so, but at the same time, you're seeing a lot of them have success. I mean, Kevin O'Connell's 10 and two as a rookie head coach. I, I didn't even know Kevin O'Connell could do this. I no. like good. And, and he wasn't even calling again, another guy who was under Sean McVay, the mm -hmm. offensive coordinator, but wasn't calling plays. And now he gets this opportunity. So, uh, you know, no, that's why you're seeing this just drain of talent and stuff because Belichick doesn't want to go outside his tree of knowledge, mm -hmm. but it's kind of dried up because he's not what everybody wants anymore. He's not the flavor of the year. It's the Shanahan's, the McVeigh's, the mm -hmm. McDaniel's and, and those guys. And so he has to, he has to adapt, right? We've seen him adapt so many times when the league zigs, he zags and he's so good at adapting to the way the NFL plays. And that's what made him so successful with Tom Brady. And yet here he stands with just barren cupboards. Yeah. And now it's interesting to see also Mick Lombardi. I think he's 31, 32 years old. Obviously he's sort of in the Belichick fob circle if you yeah, will you because he's the son of i'm surprised he wasn't actually kept that actually really surprised me would i have felt better about mick lombardi and nick cayley being given uh offensive coordinator and quarterback coach play caller duties etc as opposed to patricia judge hell yes i would have and now well, the issue there the though, raiders offense is the raiders offense is finally getting the mcdaniel scheme and turning things around the, the, the issue there is you're only going to be able to keep one of them right you could prevent josh from taking one of those two guys so he prevented Josh from taking Nick Cayley, but then make Nick Cayley the offensive coordinator. Right. Because Nick Cayley. Or sweeten Nick Lombardi's offer and say, here, I'll pay you more than Josh. I don't want you leaving. You're a bright young mind and you're the son of my friend. And call my plays. Like, yeah. at least he's, fam he's familiar with the offense. He understands it. And he's been in the system. But instead. Guarantee lets, you the offense would be better if they He lets that. Mick walk. And now he's not going to make Nick Cayley the play caller. And at the end of the year, Nick Cayley can go wherever the hell he wants. He mm -hmm. could go to Vegas. And go exactly where Josh wanted him to go in the first place. Why not? And then you're even more screwed because now you're left with two boobs and Billy Yates on the offensive coaching staff. And I guess Troy Brown as well. And like, and, and nobody can coach quarterbacks. Nobody can coach call plays. The offensive line stinks. Like, what are we doing? <sighs> Answering the next question because this one's starting oh. to really depress me. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. This is our reality. This is our diaper of sadness, and we are being told oh, to sit in it the rest of the year. And we continue to tell oh. the coach that we are sitting in a wet diaper, and he's like, I don't see a diaper. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. We're in a hot don't tub. About it. Yeah, we're in some <laughs> the hot tub is hot tub is filled with lava. Uh David Weaver asks, How long will we let Max stand in the pocket like an oak tree until we give Zappy the reins back? I'm gonna ask you this question. I am still, I still believe we have not gotten the full assessment of Mac Jones that we need because of the play calling issues, because of the talent squabbling, and obviously because of the horrendous uh, offensive line play, which has been in large part due to injury. Or so I believe, or so I've told myself. So I still don't think the full 2022 eval is even close to out on Mac Jones. That said, if he turns in another dud or two duds in a row like that the rest of the way, you're hearing this from a Mac apologist. I might just say, like, put the kid, put Zappy back in and just make the last couple of games fun or who cares or, you know, whatever. 
So I have two thoughts on this. And I like them both. I, I want to preface the fact that everybody knows that I don't necessarily care for Mac Jones as a quarterback. We Correct. all know that. That's been established. That doesn't yes. need to be re-brought re up. Nothing new. My thoughts, my thoughts here are I I don't think Zappy's the guy either. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's really gonna help anything. Like bring Zappy in, sure, what whatever. It doesn't matter. My my bigger my bigger picture thought is if I'm Mac Jones. Why would I want to stay here? What, what is keeping me in New England? The play caller sucks. The offense sucks. I was a first-round pick. I'm, I'm just looking worse and worse because you guys suck. And, and the fans hated me. They were booing me off the field, and you yanked me in the first game I was back from being injured after three pass attempts and an interception. So regardless of how I feel about Mac, it's more about how Mac feels about the New England Patriots. If I'm Mac Jones, I want out. And so I like what's if I'm Mac Jones and you sit me the rest of the year, I'm almost actually happier because a, then I don't, then, then I don't have to throw interceptions. I don't have to try and be Superman and I don't have to lose football games and look worse. I don't have to worry about an injury. And then in the off season, I could be like, Bill, get me out of here. I'm done with you. Get, let, let me go or I'm not playing. I'm sitting because he can imagine that. Can you imagine? No, if yeah, Mac Jones at the end of the season, but just to to literally go from in the middle of last year, this guy's going to be rook, offensive rookie of the year. He's going to get the pit. The Patriots were Super Bowl favorites or a Super Bowl contender, according to the to Vegas, the models and a lot of the you know pun pugnosticators or uh, prundits or whatever you want to call them last year in the middle of the season, and now we're talking about a scenario where Mac Jones might want to say like, "Yo, Bill, I'm done," you know, like. Cut me, Mick. I'm, well, and, like, and I think I, I think I think for everybody involved, Ugh. it might be one of the better case scenarios, right? You look at a team like Carolina or a team, and not necessarily Houston, because they're just going to take Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, but maybe even a team like Atlanta, right? And they have draft picks available. You get pennies on the dollar. You may not get a mm -hmm. first round pick for them, but you get a second and a third or mm -hmm. a second and a conditional third or something mm -hmm. like that. Or if his uh, playing time and statistics merit X, Y, and Z, you get a first back. Yeah. And Bill is like, I know I need to retool at so many other positions. I need these draft picks. And I know he doesn't want to be here and I need to change everything anyways. And Maybe Brady's just, going to San Francisco. So I'll take broken Garoppolo for a season. Maybe it just, behooves everyone if we hit the reset button completely like zappy go ahead and start the last couple games and it's again this is not because i think mac jones doesn't deserve to start the rest of the season it preserve is your because, asset yes bingo uh, on both on both accounts yes. i think mac would yes. want to preserve himself and bill wants to preserve the asset for whatever he can get at this point oh my god to think it could possibly get there and we're really not that far off from that being a potential reality yep jfc merry christmas everyone uh, Joel Rodriguez situation has to be fixed. What do you guys think the miscue? What, what's the reason for the miscues that keep happening week after week? I, I think it's very simple. simple. Coaching talent drain. There's just not ding, enough good coaches ding, there. Ding. Bad nope. coaching period. I'm with you. Yep. Bad coaching and not enough good coaches there. Like there used to be, uh, Andy and I covered it the other day and it just can't be said loud enough, often enough from the highest hilltop to the lowest rated radio show. You cannot, cannot emphasize enough what a talent drain there has been on the sidelines in the coaching box and up in the Ernie Adams sky box over the Massive. past couple of years. Massive. Just not enough people to, to do the job right, even as smart and brilliant and experienced as Belichick is. Uh, Jordan Watson, regular contributor here. Uh, 
because it's double XP for Call of Duty, do we have a better shot versus Kyler Murray? Uh, you never know. His attention could be elsewhere, especially coming off of the bye week. Also, is Marcus Jones wide receiver one now? Uh, Call of Duty joke aside, Marcus Jones might legitimately give you your best chance to score from anywhere. I don't know if he's going to solve the dread zone woes, Shime. I don't think there's any one man on earth who would want to take on that daunting challenge. But if Marcus Jones does not have a regular set of plays, like a Marcus Jones package every week the rest of the way, given how dynamite and electric this kid is with the ball in his hands, then just everyone turn in their resume. Everyone turn in their keys. Yeah, I think um, the way I want to look at Marcus Jones, and people aren't going to be happy with the name that I throw out there, but you need to understand it from a, a greater view. The guy I want to compare him to is kind of his Jamal Agnew in Jacksonville. Um, he was originally, again, a corner kind of return specialist out of college, came in, has a return. To, he had that awesome 108-yard return touchdown last year that Gus, uh, Gus Johnson called, which was electric. I think it was against the Cardinals. Um, and now he's part of kind of the offensive mix. He gets a few plays every game, gets a few targets. He scored a few touchdowns for them on offense. And kind of that's how I think you should use Marcus Jones. I don't think he – he's not going to be a 5 to 10 target a game kind of guy, but packages – Mm -hmm. uh, with him, I think are essential. And then you let him continue to do what he's done very well, which is being the return game, kick return, punt return. Um, and then every once in a while, try and get a spark out of him in the offense, uh, get an explosive play. Couldn't agree more. You have to involve him, not to the point where he's getting 40, 50 snaps and 11, 12 targets a game, but you have to design a couple plays a game like that one where you get him in space and let him try to create thereafter uh, our final user question or listener or participant or viewer question whatever you want to say and or b comes from david trestle who's got a rapid fire series of quickies for us uh he starts with will cam newton get a call from the 49ers no no <laughs> next question will tompa brady not be a buck next season yes yes <laughs> and if brady returns to the pats will gronk and jules return as well no maybe <laughs> oh okay uh, if they both take an, another year off for a victory lap, yes. Will Brady return to the Patriots next season? Mm, no. No. Uh, you don't need to be Wickersham to know that as much as we could all hope, wish, or opine for it. Uh, and how many sprints do I need to do on the treadmill to erase three craft beers last night? Um, that, usually I go, when I have three beers, I run for at least 20 minutes, 25 on the elliptical 30. I usually do like at least 10 minutes of heavy cardio for every beer I drink. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of cardio lately. So uh, I think I'm offsetting the beers I've been drinking, which is good. And a boy, um, looking good. I'm gonna, yeah, going to try and keep doing it, you know. Looking good, man. I mean, Thanks. the holidays, uh, you know, no one Tough no time. one has ever entered the holiday season. I know. I, I appreciate. I sympathize with you from afar. Yeah. No one has ever said like, man, I need to get fit. And there's only one time to do it. December 1st to the 31st. Let's go, baby. Let's do it. Yeah. The only thing that gets shred is cheese as it goes on top of the potatoes that before they go in the oven. When I was younger, this was kind of the bread and butter season. Cause it's what the young kids call cuffing season. And fat mm. people are good at that That's right. because they're, you know, comfy and warm and, and people like to cuddle fat people. It's what we're good at. Um, however, I'm in a happy relationship now. So now I just need to uh, look at the best interest of my health and that's probably mm -hmm. to do some cardio. Yes. The only thing that gets ripped in my house is wrapping paper off presents, not my abdominals, glutes, or biceps. True. Um, all right. Now this comes from, uh, your old pal Fitzy here to shine. Uh, as you'll see, it was uh, brought up moment moments just to go. Who is in more disarray? The Cardinals and the Patriots 
Sub question to that, Shime. I'm going to give you two. Who do you think who's in more disarray right now? Ross Tucker yesterday said on Merloni, Fourier, and Mego that he believes the Cardinals are a more difficult watch than the Patriots and are actually in more disarray with handsome Cliff, the fit model, okay. as the head coach. And who do you think the rest, uh, 10 days for the Pats, two full weeks coming off a of bye for the Cardinals, who does the rest benefit more coming into the game? So I actually think the Patriots are in more disarray. Um, I think the division between Cliff and Kyler is slightly overblown. Um, I just don't think Cliff's all that great of a head coach. Mm -mm. But on top of that, both of these guys just got extensions. They're not going anywhere. Uh, the Cardinals are going to figure it out and work on it. The Patriots, however, their offense is literally inept. Kyler Murray is, can be a superhero when he wants to be. Mac Jones cannot do that. So the, the Cardinals still have an out. Like in the final two, if, 10 minutes of the game, if Cliff Kingsbury's offense has sucked, Kyler Murray just goes, look, I got to call my own plays at this point. We got to go hurry up. And Cliff's like, all right, Kyler, do your thing. And Kyler Murray runs around like a, 87 yards like, for a two-point conversion. Like Sonic the Hedgehog, and he's doing everything he wants. And it's and there's nothing you can do about it. It's right. I mean, you look at back to that Raiders game in like week two or three. He spends 15 seconds running back and forth right. and then finds the guy in the end zone for the touchdown. Like Mac Jones ain't going to do that. You saw him try to do that in the last game. You know what happened? He almost threw two interceptions, one of which was to a guy three yards out of bounds, by the way. Um, so, so in my opinion, the Patriots far more, far more disarray. Far People, more if disarray. we don't, and anyone who's watching and listening and stuck it out through the pod, thank you so much. Please, yes. you know, at FitzyGFY, at Shime Time, at Six Rings Pod. Give us a follow, rate, review, subscribe, and share as always. And thanks for being a part of our community. If you hear us talking cocktails, laughing at the absurdity of the situation, goofing around, going off topic, um, digressions aplenty, it's because this is what helps us get through. None of us want to be here. This is uncomfortable, and not because we're residents of Entitled Town or we're spoiled or we're front runners and we can't handle it. It's because this season, like I said up top, stinks. Like it's, it's bad. So hard. Like it's, I'm a, it, I'm a gambler, right? Yeah. And so I you have lousy weeks. You have lousy seasons. I was, I helped you have a lousy season in 2019. I know we both lost money. We did. But even on top of that, so like gambling fun, on though. trying to gamble on Patriots games right now is miserable. It's, it's impossible because like the line for this game is one, the Patriots by one and a half. What the hell am I supposed to do with that? I, I think the Patriots are in disarray on offense. Their defense is pretty good at times against mm -hmm. bad offenses. The Cardinals at points can be bad offenses. But like I said, Kyler Murray can just make stuff happen sometimes. And so I'm like, what am I supposed to do with one and a half? And it's just no fun because no matter how much research you do, at the end of the day, the Patriots could throw for 380 yards like they did against Minnesota, or they could have 10 yards of total offense. And not right. score a point like they did against the Jets, basically. So I'm like, I just, I don't know where to, I, I can't gamble on them. I can't enjoy them while I watch them. Like, I, I just don't even know what to do with them anymore. No, it's a, it's, it's a mess. And like you were saying about Kyler Murray as well, like he's actually at his best, uh, as much as Cliff Kingsbury and his air raid style offense want to scheme things up for Kyler Murray, when you've got players that are on the same wavelength like D-Hop, and Kyler Murray, oh. I would let them go off platform. Whereas poor freaking Mac Jones hasn't been given a platform. And when he is given a platform, usually it's like bowing wood and there's like sharks in water underneath it. Like it's, like, it's a even mess. If the Cardinals are bad. Like again, at least they have Kyler Murray and Deandre Hopkins and Rondell Moore and Greg Dortch who are like fun to watch. Like Greg the Patriots. 
Did you think you'd sit here in December and be like, I'd rather watch Greg Dorch? You just got dorched. Well, well, I'll tell you what on that one, Joe. uh, Pat just got dorched. Uh, like but they at least have George. fun. They have fun players to watch. Outside of Marcus Jones, is there anyone fun to watch on this team? No, they're even making the, the oh. line's been so bad. The Pats have been a bottom five running team the last six weeks. They're making Ramondre Stevenson look bad. Like yeah, like all he can fun do is catch watch. passes because then he doesn't get hit the offensive line or tackled in the backfield. Then he has to try and break seven tackles to get four yards. Oh God Almighty, I'm in agony. All. all right, let's try to win some money this week. Uh, since we don't, you do a daily gambling podcast, the fabulous BetQL Boston Pod. Uh, what's your Thursday night pick? Sneaky fun game from a gambling perspective. I think Raiders are at the Ramalama Ham Jams at SoFi Stadium. Yeah. Going to probably be a sneaky Vegas home game. Yep. I think Vegas is five and a half points. Six. It's up to six. Okay. You know what's amazing? You can middle the shit out of this game. Because I think the Rams might lose by 10. So there might be a teaser middle in this one that could be mucho tempting for an inexperienced and idiotic gambler like myself. But what do you like? Yeah, so I like the Raiders here. Um, It's a weird spot. I, I mean, they've won three in a row, so... And they're running I'm, the ball I'm starting nicely. To get, yeah, and I'm starting to get a lot of confidence in what the Raiders are doing, right? I, th- I'm starting to see now what I expected to see at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Chandler Jones is more involved on the defense. Max Crosby still an animal. Devontae Adams, like you and I have talked about multiple times in the offseason, mm-hmm. is just like that Fresno State connection. It's there. It's, real. it's a real thing. The guy is on pace for 1,600 yards and 17 touchdowns. He has gone nowhere like he is awesome still so and then on top of that josh jacobs is going to lead the league in rushing yards uh so i think you're starting to see it and i'm I'm not gonna get i'm not gonna dive fully in but like don't be shocked if they make a run here at the end right like they they draw i'm not surprised i'm they they have one tough game the rest of the way yeah pats uh, and and the Steelers, and then they get the Brock Purdy 49ers and the Chiefs, who may in week 18 not have anything to play for. So they, and again, they've already won three in a row. They're confident. Mm-hmm. McDaniels has an understanding. Like everybody was talking about firing McDaniels weeks ago. He has a handle on what this team is. Davis believed in him, and I think the players do as well. And so I think that's going to roll. I actually hope to. There's rumors that. Baker Mayfield might actually get the start for the Rams uh, on Holy Thursday night shit. after being You're kidding. Up. No, there are rumors Holy going around ship. that they are going to give him the playbook and he is going to start Thursday night football. If that's the case, I love the Raiders even more. This line oh, should go pick up the Raiders from, defense and stream it immediately in the game. Line you need to win go from six to eight. If Baker Mayfield might is the be, quarterback. it might, it just might. And the issue is, is that I think some people, because they know the name Baker Mayfield, might actually bet on the Rams. And you might get a better number as the Raiders. This mm. the number should be eight. That's where I that's where I've kind of landed on. So I really I love the Raiders on Thursday night. Uh if the Raiders win this week and then beat the Patriots, there's gonna be a lot of the Raiders are the team nobody wants to play if they can sneak in the playoffs buzz. My yes. fear is that the you know, if the Chargers drop out, you're gonna have the Raiders, the Patriots. I think the Chargers so- stink. The, the Chargers are a mess. They're not going to make it. No. Um, and do they currently at the at the AFC playoffs right now? Oh no! It is currently um, the Jets is the seventh seed. Jets. 
Jets have a tough schedule the rest of the way, but I'm a believer in the Jets, and I know people like, oh, my God, Fitzy, the Patriots super fan. Oh, my ears are bleeding. You like the Jets? I don't like them. I don't root for them. No, they crushed they're the pretty Jap. good football team. They have a good football team. They're pl- like Mike White threw a touchdown to Braxton Berrios with 30 seconds left, and he dropped it. They should have won that game last week. They should have beat the Vikings. They are a good football team. They're not so great, but they're the Jets. The Jets draw the Bills this week, which could yep. be a loss. They already beat them once. That's good enough for them. They're probably yeah, going to lose the second one. The Bills I don't are think... the number one seed, and the Bills aren't. The Bills want. They want to hold that number one seed. Then they host the Lions. Lucky for them, it's in New York because if that's in Detroit, the Lions are rolling right now. They've mm-hmm. found something similar to what the Raiders are doing. Then you draw the Jaguars. You should win that football game. But then you draw the Seahawks, who are contending for a playoff spot, a good football team in their good own game. right. Mm-hmm. And you end the season in Miami. So uh, the Jets Ooh. have to, they have to win three of the final five. The Jaguars, to get to 10 assume, wins. Yep. Yes. You, the Jaguars, you assume they beat. If they only beat the Lions or the Seahawks and don't beat, uh, don't beat the Bills and Dolphins, the Raiders could overtake them. I don't know what the tiebreaker would be if both are nine and seven, mm-hmm. but at nine and seven, I think the Raiders might sneak in. Yeah, and then you get to nine and eight if you're nine and eight, or uh, nine and eight. for both teams. I yep. Um, I have a feeling, and I'll just go on the record with this like that, uh, that I think the Raiders will miss the playoffs and they are going to be the ultimate case of, damn it, how did we let those three leads of 17 points or more earlier in the season slip away? It came around to bite us in the ass just like we thought it would. Yep. We were playoff worthy. And then everyone's going to be like, watch out for them next year. But that's a next year deal. But they're fun to watch the rest of the way, and there'll be no easy or push, no easy pass or push over for the Pats in two weeks. Uh, what do you got Monday night, kid? Uh man, it's a tough pick. I, Pats are favored by one on the road in Zona. Yeah, I'll take the Patriots. I don't love it. Um, it just Arizona's home record is garbage. Patriots have been better on the road uh since Tom Brady left. Actually, shockingly enough, they're barely over 500. Actually, I think they are 500 at home. Um, since Tom Brady left, they're better on the road. I'll take the Patriots. I don't love it. I, mm-hmm. this game is screams ugly all the way across to me. I think you're going to get like a 17, 14, well, 16, 13 kind of finish here. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And you were and, right on. I feel like you were the closest in predicting the Buffalo Patriots score. I feel like you called 24 to nine or 27, nine last week. I think I said 34 to 14. Um, okay. I mean, so, it was, it, was but, felt, it felt like 34 to 14, whatever the yeah. case was. So, uh, he's Chris shine mornings on the Greg Hill show at Shime time. Your old pal Fitzy. I'll be back tomorrow with Andy Hart. We'll have Paul Perillo to help bring some Patriots perspective from Patriots.com and Luke Lipinski from 98.7 FM in Arizona in the Phoenix market. will help us preview what's going on with the Cardinals, Kyler D hop, J.J. Watt in company in our Behind Enemy Line segment of the Pats Preview Podcast here on Six Rings. But until then, thanks for listening. Presentation of WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. For Shime, I'm Fitzy. We'll talk to you soon. Good day, God bless, and as always, go Pats. See ya!